The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Have you ever asked, how can God make anything good come from the mess I'm in right now? When our surrender brokenness meets God's mercy, power flows like a mighty river. As we continue, because it's an ongoing process, to lay down our suffering, God continues to flow perfect power our way. Surrender as we spend Wednesdays in the Word with Sheila Walsh, next on Life Today. Hi, I'm Sheila Walsh. Thanks so much for joining me here on Wednesdays in the Word. When I sat down to write my book in the middle of the mess, finding strength for this beautiful, broken life, I was about, probably about a third of the way in when I got the news from my sister that my mom had died. And even though, I mean, she was about to turn 87. So, I mean, I had to know that she was, that was gonna happen sometime soon. What I didn't understand was how much it would impact me. I mean, it really, I felt myself reeling after her funeral. And the thing that I was discouraged by, honestly, was that I found myself kind of cycling back into depression. And I thought I was beyond that. You know, I thought I'm in a good place. I'm really consistent with the things I need to do. But somehow um, that just took me to a, a new level of beginning to question where exactly I was in this whole journey. So what I want to say to you today is if you're in a place where you feel discouraged because you think, you know what, I thought I had this. You know, I thought I was in a different place. I thought I'd never go there again. I want you to know that the grace of God is here for you right now. That God is not absent when we suffer and struggle. God is very present. And I was to discover that. Because as I said, on the first, I guess one, one of the things that was the hardest was maybe my first birthday after mom's death. There would be no birthday phone call, no birthday song. Honestly, my mom couldn't really sing in tune, but I loved her singing happy birthday to me every year. So I found myself sinking into depression again. I couldn't concentrate very well. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't make myself engage with my friends, even though I knew that's what I really needed to do. The only thing that sounded appealing to me, honestly, was to get in bed and just pull the covers over my head. I don't know if you've ever been there. Well, if your experience is anything like mine, you're gonna do, you know, the hard work in life of finding strength in tough times in the middle of your mess. You know, you'll accept losses, you'll grieve them. You know, you'll learn to tell the truth honestly to God and to trusted friends. But then you're gonna realize that at times your mess it's still a mess. It hasn't all been cleaned up and permanently removed. If there's anything that this journey through brokenness has taught me, it's that my distinct need, when handled honestly in God's presence, leads me to God's distinct ability to meet me right there. One of the scriptures that has soothed me on many, many a sleepless night is found in Romans chapter 12, verse one. He writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Well, that little word, present, present your bodies as living sacrifices, has significant meaning here. In the Greek, it's the verb he, or to offer once and for all. It's a one-time commitment, a weighty covenantal thing. Think of the way that a wife or a husband offers herself or himself to a spouse, or more profoundly, the way Christ offered himself up to the cross to sacrificially present. This is a setting of your face in a certain direction, never to turn back again. Even when temptations surround us, and they will, even when darkness comes, even if depression comes knocking again, even when suffering unfolds, even when questions outnumber answers, even when we've done our part, even when things get messy again, I think especially, especially then, to present ourselves is to hand ourselves over to Jesus over and over again, daily, regardless of the circumstances and the challenges that have been handed to us on any given day. The reason that this understanding of this scripture has been so helpful to me is that it reminds me that there is purpose in my pain. If I view my pain as just random, as a cruel taunt by a heartless creator that is destined to eventually take me down, if we believe that, we're going to sink deeper into desperation, seeing life as just disposable, unkind. But if, if we view our pain as the mirror through which God's sufficiency can be reflected, then we bear up under the suffering, knowing it's serving to make us more like Jesus Christ. My need, your need, when handled with spiritual honesty, will lead us to God's ability to more than meet it. When you and I are able to shift perspective in this manner, our central plea before God shifts to, well, instead of begging, please God, please take the suffering away from me. Our prayer can change to, please Father, show yourself strong through this suffering, through this pain, through my life, through me, glorify yourself in me. In my view, there's no better personification of this kind of shift in perspective than that of the Apostle Paul. As you know, in 2 Corinthians, he spoke of having what he called a thorn in the flesh, a subject long debated by much smarter minds than mine right through the ages. And there's all sorts of theories about what the thorn was. Had he gone blind? Did he suffer from chronic headaches? Did he have malaria? Was he being persecuted for his beliefs? Nobody really knows because Paul never clearly says. But what we do know was that Paul really begged for God to take it away. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8, Paul wrote three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. I think we can all relate to a prayer like that, whether it's a financial crisis, marriage problems, health issues, job loss, whatever, whatever you might be struggling with right now, 
The cry of our heart often is, Father, please, please take this away. For me, the depression, the tendency toward isolation, the suicidal thoughts that I've struggled with for most of my life, yeah, I want to pray, Father, please, won't you just make them leave? Well, Paul had laid down his earnest request, and now it was God's turn to respond. Paul writes, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I would imagine initially that's probably not the answer Paul wanted to hear. Certainly not what we want to hear when we're right in the middle of pain. But this God who possesses all power, all wisdom, all capacity, all things, why would God choose not to intervene? The answer centers on whose glory we're seeking, God's or our own. My power, God's power, is perfected in weakness. So I have to ask myself, I ask you, do we desire God's power that much? It was during the same time of darkness and grieving that I went deep, deep into the Word of God. I pray that you have found, as I have, that God's living Word is a shelter in times of storm. Well, this time I wanted to understand what it truly meant to be set apart for Christ as Paul implied when he spoke of us as having presented ourselves once and for all as sacrifices unto the Lord. What were the implications of such a decision as it relates to living well in this broken, messy world? Well, I was determined to find out. And interestingly enough, my search took, took me to the Old Testament where the phrase set apart first appeared. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, there were many gold and silver plates and pieces that existed, but some of them were set apart for use in the temple during worship of God. Now, those pieces had only one purpose, which was to wait in service of God. A description pretty fitting for you and me. We wait and we exist to serve God. The day that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you virtually distanced yourself from the world, from your sin and from your shame. By your decision, you said, I'm not my own anymore. I am God's now, set apart for his use. From that day forward then, your life possessed a singular aim, bringing God's glory, even in the messiest of messes. Now, as I look at my own life, you know, it's true God could have prevented my father's suicide. He could have taken away my depression. He could have spared me from the psych ward. He could have done all of those things, but he didn't. I could have lived a very different story. And even as you look at your life, he could have prevented your bankruptcy. He could have not let your path cross that abuser's path and kept you from that first sip of wine that led to a merciless addiction. He could have given you the child you so wanted. He could have made sure that you got that job, that promotion. He could have kept your vehicle on the road on that snowy night. 
He could have made your husband, he could have made your wife stay. The question that will transform your life and mine isn't why didn't God do these things, but rather, Father, how can I bring glory to your name in the middle of this? How can I worship in the middle of the storm? Let me say again, our need, when handled honestly in our Father's presence, points directly to God's ability to meet it. Our brokenness can glorify God if we'll let it. Our brokenness can honor his name when it's surrendered to him. When our surrendered brokenness meets God's mercy, power flows like a mighty river. As we continue, because it's an ongoing process to lay down our suffering, God continues to flow perfect power our way. And I believe that's how we can be thankful in every circumstance, good and bad. We can be thankful because we understand the purpose here. All for your glory, Father, all for you. Use my weakness to display your full power. Show the world this power that's never known. Isaiah 40, well-known passage says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who wait, who trust in the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What a promise. Now you might be thinking that this power I'm talking about doesn't feel very powerful at all. Well, that's true. This power that comes by way of our weakness doesn't look powerful in any sense of the word or in any way the world looks at it. The strength God sends in our dark mess doesn't look very strong. Power and strength, as defined by the world's standards, don't look a thing like what we are given as God's children. But I believe with all my heart that when we allow Christ into our brokenness and ask him to heal us however he chooses, we become stronger and more powerful than any force this world has ever known. The Apostle Paul surely grasped this incredible truth for in another of his writings, he wrote of how we reflect this power from God. The goal here, Paul essentially said, is not to power up as the world would have you do, but rather as detailed in Ephesians 6, to suit up with the armor of God. This weaponry has nothing to do with guns and missiles. It's an arsenal of spiritual tools, truth, for example, righteousness, a heart to bring about peace, faith, helmet of salvation, the power of the word of God. And to that mix, we can add the things I've talked about in this book, transparent conversation with God, confession with trusted friends, quiet, meditation on the word, forgiveness, the practice of humility, and holding on to hope. With God's power, we discover 
that he really is working things together for good, that he really is making all things new. I've already begun, he promises in Isaiah 43, 19. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I, the Lord, am doing something new. So we pray, Lord, do this new thing through us. Let our brokenness produce something brand new that will bring glory to you. So no matter what we're dealing with, we keep laying it down and laying it down and laying it down again. For me, whether it's depression, I lay it down. I bring it into his presence. I don't know what you struggle with. It could be anger. It could be alcoholism, controlling, overspending, pride, envy, self-harm. We lay down comparisons. We stop comparing ourselves to each other. We lay down our failures and we lay down our fear. We lay it all down knowing that these trying circumstances we face do not at all define who we are. We are not our mess, far from it. That's not how we're defined. We are the demonstration of God's ability to use our circumstances for good. I'm not Sheila Walsh, whose father committed suicide. I'm not Sheila Walsh, the psych patient. And you, you're not Jennifer, the alcoholic. You're not John, the drug abuser. You're not Abby, the control freak. You're not David, the porn addict. You're not Bethany, the depressed. Whatever mess you're in the middle of, you are not that mess. When you've placed your trust in Christ, you are a well-loved daughter of the King of Kings. You are a son of God. So we can thank God even in our brokenness, when we realize that brokenness leads us to his strength. So we say thank you. Thank you from right in the middle of my mess. I am so aware that when I have these shows and have this opportunity to talk to you, which I'm so grateful for, that I don't know what you are dealing with personally. But I want to remind you that you have a father who knows exactly every detail of what you're facing right now. And if you, if you feel like you're struggling and you didn't deserve it, or if you feel like you're in a mess because you caused it, the invitation remains the same, to come to him in the middle of our mess and allow his power to transform us. And one of the joys of living a loved, forgiven life is it helps you to look to those who need that very love to touch them right now. Would you watch this with me? You know, coming to malnutrition clinics like this is so devastating to see children because unfortunately, so many more children don't leave these clinics than what leave them, but it's, even more devastating to me today because this clinic is so full. You can see how they've actually put extra beds down the center of, of, of the aisle here. That's not normal because the conditions in this area have reached absolute desperation. And as a result, the clinics are full, full with children who are fighting for their lives. Children who have literally reached that stage of being on death's door. 
I've got to tell you that I'm, I'm tired of this situation. I'm tired of watching children die in clinics like this. Child after child, mother after mother, whose heart is broken because of something so simple. The fact that children don't have enough food, it's an injustice. Because if we remain silent, the silent killer, malnutrition, will win the battle again and again and again. Please, we've got to do what we can do because we're able and together we need to act. But this is not where we solve it. Where we have the greatest chance is out there in their villages. Before children get into a severely malnourished state, before they end up here, if we can just take mission feeding to those villages, we can save those children's lives. We can save them from coming here. We can save them from death's door. I was in that very malnutrition clinic in Kubalan, Angola, a year before this recent trip of Isaac's. And to see so many more beds there than the time when we were there is just devastating. They told us the situation is getting so much worse. I had never seen with my own eyes what it looks like when a child is dying of malnutrition. Their skin is literally peeling off. Their hair has turned red. And I didn't understand that, but it's simply a lack of protein. And to watch these children struggling to take simply one breath. I remember being able to hold one little one. And I assumed this child was a newborn. And I asked how old, and they said, oh, she, you know, she's four months old. She weighed what my son weighed on the day he was born. And the thing about this situation, I so agree with what Isaac said, that he's tired of seeing that, because here's the thing, we can change this. I've seen with my own eyes. You know, I've watched these things on television for years, and sometimes we almost get kind of immune to it. But once you put your feet in that African soil and you walk into these places, you will never be immune for the rest of your life. But I've also seen what he talked about. I've seen the hope. I've seen what happens when we're able to go into a village and provide food. It changes their lives forever. I mean, it literally from that first bowl of very nutritious food, it, they, they're turned from that cycle of going no longer to death, but going to life. And each one of us can do something. Do you know that for just $30, $30, you can provide food for three children for three months, $50, five children for three months, 110 children for three months. One of the other things that we'd love to ask if you'd consider doing in addition to that is that we need to do a food factory upgrade. You know, that factory has faithfully served us for years, but we need to update it. And if we do, it will become 50% more efficient. The food is amazing. I mean, I've, I've seen the, the stats on everything that's in it, all the protein, the vitamins and minerals that the children need. But honestly, today, I kind of want to speak to you on behalf of the moms because I've watched the moms in malnutrition clinics bring their children in. And so many of them feel guilty because they think I left it too late, but they have no resources. They have no way of getting to the clinic with their dying child. These mothers, when I was there, our team, we told them, listen, we will not forget you. 
we will not forget you and we will make sure your children are cared for. So what I want to ask you to do, would you go to your phone right now, make the best gift possible and let's change what can be changed in Jesus' name. In impoverished and famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. With your support, you will help feed and care for children in crisis areas of Sudan, Angola, and Mozambique. With Africa facing ongoing food shortages and drought, we urgently need to replenish supplies and come to the aid of 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50 or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider an additional gift to help provide critically needed upgrades to our food factory that will increase overall production by a staggering 50%. This is a $216,000 challenge above our normal feeding budget that could help save even more lives. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you in the middle of the mess in her new book, Sheila Walsh brings insight to knowing the peace and presence of Christ in the midst of life's inevitable messes. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed and care for 10 children, we'll send you Sheila's book, plus the Arise Coffee Mug. This heat-activated mug reveals Isaiah 61 each time you fill it with a warm beverage, a wonderful way to begin your day. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request our Determined Eagle Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. As a result of your love and generosity as Friends of Life, we've been able to build this food factory. And this food factory has saved tens, hundreds, even millions of lives as a result. But we need your help today. We need your help because we've got to expand this food factory because there are children in villages here as a result of the drought in this area and the fact that their families are not able to provide enough food for them and mission feeding is not reaching their villages. These children are facing a critical situation. It's not just a factory filled with machines. No, it's a factory that produces life. So I'm asking you, please, today, help us so that we can produce more food, package that food more efficiently, and get it out to the children that so desperately need it. The way you can do that is by going online, by picking up the phone and dialing that number, and giving the best gift that you can give. Give the gift of life. Give the gift of food. Thank you so much. Please keep phoning, please do something. And for every gift, I'm so happy to be able to offer you In the Middle of the Mess. Um, it's the most personal book I've ever written, hard book to write, but I pray it'll bring you real freedom. And for a gift of 100, we have something so cool. I love this. Looks like a black mug until you pour hot liquid into it and then ta-da. So how great is that? And that's a fantastic reminder every morning of who you are, of who our wonderful Father is. So um, we'd love to send you those gifts. And really, it's just our way of saying thank you. But more than anything, we want to thank you for helping us be there for those children. I'll see you next time in Wednesdays in the Word.
So in other words, if somebody wants something, if I don't say yes, I'm not being giving, which means I'm being selfish. Dr. Henry Cloud, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.